0: Well, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. Well, welcome to Parkview. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors around here. As you can see from some of the decorations out in the lobby, and from the fact that I am slightly sore from my wife convincing me to cut down a Christmas tree yesterday, I think I can safely say Merry Christmas as well. Uh, Christmas time around Parkview is a pretty crazy time. There's a lot that goes on week to week around the church. And if you'd like to maybe take a next step or get connected with us. Uh, The best first way to do that is you can go right outside those doors. We've got a next steps booth with a team out there that would love to answer any questions you have, uh, get to know you a little bit, Um, or I'm just going to highlight a few of those things for you right now. The first one is that next weekend is the kickoff of our actual Christmas sermon series, and that'll start this next Sunday, the 4th, and the series is called The Untold Story. It's basically a sermon series that's going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at what was happening leading up to the birth of Jesus and look back at that history and see how it might apply to what God is doing in our lives today. We've got some great messages from Tim and Todd that will lead us into what will ultimately be our Christmas Eve services. We have those times that are posted, and if you are new to Parkview, Christmas Eve services don't actually ha- happen start on Christmas Eve. They happen uh, like the Wednesday before because we have a lot of services that happen. Uh, there's going to be 18 specific services across all of our campuses. All those times will be listed at, at Christmas at Parkview, Uh, On your way out the doors, you'll see some more information on that. We'll talk a little bit more during the sermon as well. But there's a great way for you to just start engaging with Christmas, actually starting today. If you were around the last couple of months, we've been doing this thing called the 40 Days Devotional, where we were spending time each morning or each each time during the day, however you were doing it, uh, with a video from somebody on our staff or just some reflection time. And we're going to do that same thing for Advent, which is the time leading up to Christmas. And the easiest way for you to get on there, if you want to pull out your phone right now, I won't get offended, you won't get yelled at, I promise you. You can just text the word ADVENT to 65649, and you'll be able to sign up if you want for even daily reminders, or it'll give you the link of where to go each day leading up to Christmas. It'll be a great way for us to start preparing for that season. And one last thing, uh, on your way out those doors, uh, there's going to be some opportunities for you to come alongside us uh, in generosity. We're partnering with some of our families that are in need right now, and as well as some of our local ministry partners to do that. So we've got little tags, little ornaments that have different uh, ages, uh, the, the different kids you can come alongside to bless this holiday season. It'll be a great chance to do that. Right outside those doors, our north lobby is where you can go and find that. And the whole reason we talk about generosity around Parkview is because we believe we serve a very generous God. And it's with that said that we wanna start our time together celebrating that. If you would, let's stand as we begin our time together in worship. Thank you guys for being here.
1: Good Good morning, good morning. This has been already an amazing Sunday. The last service was fantastic. So you picked a good Sunday to come. I hope that you guys are ready to worship with us because we serve such an amazing God. So come, Worship our King. Let us give praise to our God forever. Amen. Here we go. Come, let us
2: worship our King.
1: Are today and every single day who am I that the highest can- one we give you praise this morning father god we know we are in you and father if we are ever distracted or full of doubt or forget god would you remind us of your never failing undying love for us we have everything we need in you we ask this in your name we pray Amen and amen. Let's give God one more hand clap of praise this morning. You all may be seated.
3: Hey Parkview, uh, Thanksgiving week and um, I had two choices basically. Like I want to spend time with my family during Thanksgiving week, so I'm not going to write you a message. So I'm like, well, do I steal a message from Gene Apple or do I just ask him to come and preach? You know what I did. My friend Gene Apples here today. Uh, Gene is one of my best friends. He's a pastor at Eastside Christian Church out in California. And uh, he's got family in Chicago. So he comes in every once in a while and preaches for me. I used to have family in California till they wised up Gene and got out of there. And, uh, you know, so we've done a lot of stuff together. You got to understand um, that Gene is one of a couple of hands full of people that I'm like with all the time. He is one of my best friends. We were literally on a Zoom call this morning. We've been texting this afternoon. Um, I just, uh, I mean, like, we're in this together. And um, he's one of the best leaders I know. I was just thinking about this. I I think the last time he was doing a leadership thing, I, I started taking notes. And then after a while, I was like, Nah, screw it. I'll just send this to Bill Brown. He can figure it out. I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not there. He is a phenomenal preacher and he's come and he's the place where we got the idea uh, for the light bulbs at all of our campuses. So he's kind of come to help us with that a little bit. Will you please welcome my friend Gene Apple.
4: Well, hey Parkview, how you doing? You good? You have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody good? It is fantastic. It's such an honor to be back to Parkview. I get invited to speak a lot of different places, but nobody ever invites me back. But Parkview, (laughs) thank you for inviting me back. I've been here like five or six times now over the years, and this is absolutely one of my favorite churches on the planet. Hey, help me out. Let's give a great big welcome like you've never done it before to everybody on the other side of the camera at Homer Glen. And New Lennox and online. And oh, come on, let's hear it for those guys. We love you guys. So cool what you're all doing together. Uh, my wife Barbara and I, we consider Tim and Denise some of our very best friends in ministry. And we are so inspired by their 30 plus years of faithfulness and impact in this church. I think Tim is just one of the greatest pastors in America and you're blessed to have him at Parkview, right? Now, there's a whole bunch of you that are new here since I was here the last time. And I know what you're wondering. You've never heard me speak before. And you're wondering right now, Gene, is that your real voice? Do you really sound like that? I'd give your audio team 100 bucks if they could make me sound like Barry White today. You know, <laughs> something like Jesus loves your baby, something like that. Uh, But instead, when God was handing out voices, I got one that sounds like I've been inhaling helium for four days. (laughs) So that's what you're stuck with uh, today. Hey, did anybody hit the stores on Black Friday? Anybody go shopping this weekend? A few of you, most of you did online, right? Uh, You are so brave if you hit the the stores. I call this the season of brotherly shove. And, uh, you know, there are some Christmas gifts as you're shopping that are just kind of exclusive. Uh, They're manufactured and marketed for a very select few, just to those who can't afford it. Uh, For instance, here's a product from a water bottling company called Bling H2O, and it's just water, but I want you to listen to the ad. More than a pretty taste, Bling H2O is pop culture in a bottle. It's not for everyone, just for those that bling. Ordinary bottled water is just for ordinary people, but for those who have a taste for the finer things, Bling H2O may be the perfect thirst quencher. Bottles of Bling H2O start at $50 and go all the way up to $480. Water, people. Here's another product for you take a look at this. It's toilet paper. Seems like it should be for everyone, right? But this is Renova black toilet paper, and the ad says, elegance, sophisticated, rebellious. (laughs) Alternative and eternally fashionable, black toilet paper isn't for everyone, but it is synonymous with sophistication and style. Why waste your time with so last season two-ply white when you can treat your cellulite-free gym tone tush to black? Do you know what this goes for? $15 a roll. That's what you call literally flushing money down a toilet right there. (laughs) It's something that should be for everybody, but people have claimed it and said, no, 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 this isn't for you. It's only for a select group of people. You know, 2,000 years ago, when the very first Christmas gift was given in the history of the world, Jesus didn't come for a select few. Jesus wasn't born for an exclusive group of people. On the very first Christmas, God was making an unmistakable statement that Christmas is for everyone. You remember the announcement that the angel made to the shepherds, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for... Everyone say these three words with me, every campus. All the people, all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, friends, I don't want you to miss this. The angel is unmistakably declaring... Christmas is for everyone, for all the people. And exhibit A is that God was making this announcement to the least likely people on the planet. God could have made this announcement to the powerful, to royalty, to the wealthy. He could have announced on ancient TikTok with a creative video, you know, of Joseph and Mary dabbing around the manger or something like that, you know, kind of. But he announced it to the shepherds. If you had been a religious scholar at the time Jesus was born, who had studied the prophecies about Jesus' coming birth for years, it would have been unthinkable to you that they would announce this birth to the shepherds first. The shepherds were the original rednecks. They lived outdoors for months at a time. Their whole life was a camp out. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were looked down on. Shepherds were at the bottom of the social ladder. And their testimony wasn't even valid in a court of law. But God announced it to the shepherds because Christmas is for everyone. But to be honest with you, sometimes I forget Christmas is for everyone. Here's a little bit of my story. I grew up in a predominantly white, middle class, conservative Small town, pastor's home down in Lincoln, Illinois. Home of the mighty rail splitters. But when I was 25 years old, I moved to Las Vegas to become the pastor of a church there. I had no idea what to expect of church in Las Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas church (laughs) sounds like an oxymoron, right? Would they have an Elvis impersonator, you know, doing a prelude? Girls in bikinis announcing hymn numbers, you know, kind of. Tithe machines in the lobby. I spent the next 18 years of my life in Las Vegas and I discovered something I never knew in my growing up years. I discovered that my world was not the real world. That at least the world that I grew up in was only a small, very narrow slice of the real world. In the town I grew up in, I really didn't have to confront my feelings about people who were different than me, religiously, racially, socially, economically, politically, sexually, spiritually, because I really didn't know anybody that was different than me. I didn't have to confront my feelings about people of other races or skin colors because I didn't have any significant relationships with people of other skin colors or ethnicities. I didn't have to confront my feelings about people who followed other major world religions because I didn't know anybody who followed other major world religions. I didn't have to confront my feelings about people in the LGBTQ community because in my little conservative town of Lincoln, Illinois, I didn't know any LGBTQ people. At least I didn't think I did. I always thought they were out there somewhere. And when I moved to Vegas, I found out they were out there. (laughs) And those 18 years in Vegas were so good for me and redefined my whole life and approach to ministry because I really had to wrestle in a fresh way with Jesus' words when he just said, love your neighbor as yourself. And to be honest... With you, That was a lot easier for me to do down in my hometown of Lincoln. Because most of my neighbors were a lot like me. But in Vegas, this became a new challenge for me because Jesus didn't put any qualifiers on this statement. Jesus didn't say, love your neighbor if he dresses like you. If he believes like you. If your neighbor votes like you. Or if your neighbor lives a lifestyle just like yours. He just said, love your neighbor as yourself period. No asterisk, no prerequisite, no qualifier. So one of the areas I really had to grow in in my life, and to be honest with you, I'm still growing in, is to understand that God's heart and God's house and God's son and God's grace is for everyone. It's a theme that you find all throughout scripture. I mean, it starts with this angel on the very first Christmas, that Jesus is good news of great joy for all the people. 33 years later, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost before thousands of spiritually wondering people. And he says this. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You turn to the right in your Bible just a few pages later. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to who? Say it. Everyone who believes it's not for some it's not for a few it's not for the privileged it's for everyone second peter 3 9 says that the lord is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but say it everyone to come to repentance christmas is for everyone but as i said to be honest with you sometimes i forget that it's for everyone sometimes I don't love very well. I was at a softball game in a local park a while back watching a game with some friends and, and the, the grandstands or the bleachers that we were in were kind of full and I couldn't help but eavesdrop on the conversation that the people were having in the row in front of me. Don't look at me like you've never done that. You all do that. These people were kind of reliving their life cycle of the past couple of weeks in their lives. And basically, it was get up, go to work, go party after work, find somebody to sleep with, go to bed, get up, go to work, go party after work, go find someone else to sleep with that night, just over and over and over again. Now, as I'm listening to that, do you know what my reaction was? I didn't find my heart breaking thinking, oh, if only these people knew how valuable they were to God. I didn't find myself remembering that I could be in that same cycle, searching for meaning and coming up empty if it were not for the work of God's grace in my own life. Instead, I found myself thinking, whoa, I'm sure thankful I'm not like them, nose in the air. And I leaned over to a friend of mine that I was sitting next to, and I said, you're not going to believe the conversation these people are having over here. And I just recounted what I counted for you. And then here's what I said to my friend, Gene Apple, your guest speaker this weekend. Here's what I said, word for word. I said, they're a bunch of sleazeballs. And right then my friend said to me, you know, Gene, every time I'm in a group like this, I just think this is where Jesus would be. These are the kinds of people Jesus would be spending time with and hanging out with and loving. And I remember right there, I just put my face in my hands and I thought, Gene, what is the matter with you? You stand up every weekend and tell thousands of people that God loves them and they're valuable to him. The extent that God has gone to to love them. And you of all people, you're not loving very well right now. You know, from time to time we've all heard of a pastor that had to resign for what is described as a, quote, moral failure in the life of a church. And usually moral failure refers to a sexual sin or a financial sin of some kind. But you know, I've never heard of a church leader who had to resign because of a lack of love. Because for some reason, we don't equate a lack of love as a moral failure. In the average church, if it's discovered that the pastor has had an affair, there's a scandal, there's gossip. It's a horrendous thing in the life of a church. But the truth is, Gene Apple can live next to his neighbor day after day, week after week, year after year, and never do a single loving thing for them. And, and there won't be any scandal in the church. There won't be any little whisperings in the church about our moral failure because I think most of us are not haunted by a failure to love. But I'll tell you who is. God is. See, I can be one of those kind of people that Jesus talked about who go around looking at the speck in the eye of other people. Well, I got this big honking huge plank in my own eye. In my own eye. I found that I have this dark, depraved, instinctive nature to take that plank in my eye and use it to build a wall between myself and people who are different than me rather than bridges. When my wife Barbara and I got married, I had this antique children's bank called a picture gallery bank that's a picture of it right there little cast iron bank that I had had since I was a child a family friend gave it to me you'd you'd put a penny or nickel in that little guy's hand and there was a lever behind and he would deposit it into into the bank the paint was rubbed off in a number of spots there were some cracks in the cast iron but I had always had it prominently displayed on a shelf in my bedroom for many many years where I intended to continue to display it on a shelf in my bedroom for many years after we got married. But Barbara had different interior design ideas than I did. (laughs) She thought it was an eyesore. She wasn't convinced, and, and, uh, you know, she wanted to display it maybe like in the closet or something. (laughs) Better yet, maybe even just eliminate it like at a garage sale. But I said to her, "Honey, honey, I just have a feeling that some people think this bank is worth a lot more than you think it is. And she would say things like, dream on. You'd be fortunate to get $5 for it at a garage sale, and you ought to feel guilty about that. I said, but honey, it's an antique. People collect this stuff. It could be worth a significant amount of money to someone. Well, finally, I convinced her, rather than just to give it away, to go to an antique store and see what they might give us for it. So she walks in and she says, my husband has this antique bank he's had since he was a child. He he insists it's worth something. I wondered what you would give us for it. And the collector looked it over and he said, I'll give you $120 for it. Now, five minutes earlier, she would have been happy to get $5 at a garage sale for it. But now that there's a collector willing to give $120, do you think she's going to take it? Not on your life. She calls me. She's all excited. She goes, honey, honey, guess what? Our bank might be worth... Oh, yeah, now it's our bank. Our bank might be worth a lot more than we thought it was. And we started getting in touch with some collectors. And we contacted a collector in Washington, D.C. We sent him some pictures. And when he saw the pictures, he offered to overnight us a cashier's check for $2,000 for the bank. Oh, do you think my wife's going to take (laughs) $2,000? this thing that she would have given away weeks earlier, not in a million years. To make a long story short, we eventually sold that old beat-up children's bank to a collector in Pennsylvania for $4,000. Aren't you happy for us? The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. All of a sudden, we were looking through all of our closets going, what other junk do we have in here that we could get rid of? true story. I went online recently and grabbed that picture that I just showed you of the picture gallery bank. It was identical to mine. And that particular bank had recently sold at auction for $52,000. So you can see how brilliant we were to sell our bank. Now, I told you that story to remind you of a principle we all know. Value is determined by what somebody is willing to pay for something, right? It wasn't the value that Barbara placed on that Bank that determined its value, but what a collector would pay for it. It doesn't matter what an appraiser says your house is worth. Ultimately, value is determined by what somebody is willing to pay for it. Here's the value of all people. Here's the value of every single human being that you have ever laid eyes on, no matter who they are. You know this verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world that he gave? What would he be willing to give? What price would he be willing to pay to establish value? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. With the plank in our eye, we can look at people and we can say, they're not even garage sale material. God looks at them and says, oh no. No. They're so valuable. I'm going to let my only son die on a plank for them. I will pay for them with the price of my one and only son. That's how valuable you are. Because Christmas is for everyone. I don't know where you're at today in your spiritual journey. I don't know whether you love God or hate God or love church or hate church, but I do know this. If your picture of God is anything less than of a God who loves you, you've got the wrong picture of God. His love is for frat boys and girls gone wild. His love is for kids who have been showing up for Sunday school since they could breathe and for those who have never been through the door of a church. His love is for those with special needs and for victims of rape. His love is for hell's angels, bikers, and gang members, for people who are counting their days clean and sober. His love is for refugees and immigrants. His love is for firefighters and farmers and truck drivers and stockbrokers and single moms and rednecks and seminary graduates. His love is for people with secret lives and stagnant faith. It's for politicians and factory workers and tattoo parlor owners and foster kids and meth dealers and prisoners in our jails. It's for families that are falling apart apart, and a that's that's some kind of family you got there (laughs) a little too much togetherness and families that are pretending that they have it all together listen, God's love is for everyone and his love is for you it's for you now when the shepherds receive this announcement that Christmas is for all the people, it's for everyone they go find this baby And I want you to notice what happens next. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 17. When they had seen him, they, let's say these three words together, spread the word. When they had seen this Christ the Lord, the Messiah that had been born, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Notice they spread the word about what they'd experienced and people were amazed. There's another translation that says they told everyone that what had happened. And all who heard the shepherds story were astonished. I'll bet nobody had ever been astonished by these shepherds before. These were just the guys at the edge of town that needed a shave and a shower. But when they told everyone about their experience with Jesus they communicated with such authenticity with with such passion, with such sincerity that all who heard their story were completely amazed. You know one thing that I've learned after being a pastor for over 40 years is that there are seasons where the soil is more receptive than others. Where hearts are open Like the shepherds' hearts were open that first Christmas. And I've just been astounded over the years by the significant percentage of people who've told me that they had their initial transformational experience with Jesus at a Christmas service. People say it was like that service was just for me. Like like someone had cameras in our house before we got there. Or I've heard people say, Christmas is where my spiritual journey began. Or it was a tough, tough year. And what I thought was going to be the worst Christmas ever became the most important Christmas in my life when I found a relationship with Jesus. I've heard people say God renewed our broken family at a Christmas service. I found Jesus at a Christmas service. I know most of you, you don't know me personally, but honestly, in my life and in my family, this is a fantastic and joyful era in our lives. My wife Barbara and I were going to celebrate our 30th anniversary in January. We have three kids that are all married now. The gravy train is over. We have three grandsons that we are nuts about. We love them so much we wish we had had them first, to be honest with you. (laughs) This is such a tremendously joyful and fulfilling time in our lives that sometimes it's hard to remember it's not always been that way. Back in the 80s, Barbara and I both went through painful divorces out of some similar circumstances. The woman I was married to told me one night that she was in love and involved with another man and she left the next morning and despite relentless attempts at reconciliation, she never returned and married the guy. And believe me, I know, I know, it's only by the amazing grace of our God that I'm standing here all these years later. I'll never forget my first Christmas alone again. It was after our candlelight Christmas services in Vegas. I intended to grab something quick to eat at a drive through take it home, do some laundry, and pack for an early morning flight back to the Midwest on a Christmas Day to spend it with 20 members in my family. And I got away from the church that night about 9.30, and, and I was starving. All I'd had to eat was a sandwich kind of midday. And so I, I started driving around on this unusually cold and windy night in the Vegas, and I went down the street. There was a little chicken drive through place. I thought, I'll get something there, and it was closed. So I no problem. I'll go next door. There was a little taco drive through place, get something there. It was closed. I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So Jack in the Box was about a mile away. I thought, well, I was really getting desperate. I drive to Jack in the Box. It was closed. I thought, well, I'll go to my supermarket. My supermarket's open 24 hours a day. I'll get something from the deli. I go to my supermarket and my supermarket is closed. I had never seen the city that never sleeps so quiet. And as I drove, I'm starting to picture like all the families having their little gatherings, you know, around the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve, except me. I'm starting to get depressed. I'm hungry. I'm having a little pity party for myself. I'm alone. It's Christmas Eve. I'm remembering Christmas Eve was always the time that my family celebrated Christmas when I was growing up, but there was absolutely nothing to eat at my house, so I was determined to find something to eat. So finally I drove out to the east edge of Las Vegas where there's a country western themed casino called Sam's Town. And to my surprise, the place was hopping. Parking lot was full. Walked in through the casino, people were playing the slot machines and video poker machines and the table games. And I walked up to the 50 style diner on the second floor, sat down at a table for four all by myself and ordered the blue plate special. It was like a bad dream. I remember thinking to myself, I just spoke for thousands of people and here I am at Sam's Town on Christmas Eve eating meatloaf and mashed potatoes and gravy alone. And just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, somebody put a quarter in the jukebox and Elvis started singing in my ear, are you lonesome tonight? <laughs> Absolutely true. And uh, your sympathy is very touching to me, Parkview. Thank you. Thank you. It means, means so much. Honestly, I, I, I started laughing to myself probably to keep from crying but for a few moments that night, I had some of the loneliest feelings in my life. And the thought just, just overwhelmed me was, Gene, here you are, one of the most blessed guys in the world. You've got a church family that loves you and has stood with you through thick and thin. You've got more close friends than should be legally allowed to have. You're flying home in the morning to spend Christmas Day with 20 members of your family. And if you of all people can be lonely tonight, imagine how difficult this night is for people who don't have anybody will the Holy Spirit use that to mark me? And I gained a new empathy that night for hurting people. And as I walked out of the casino, look at all those people playing the slot machines and the video poker machines and the table games. Here's the thought that just overwhelmed me. They don't have anywhere else to go tonight either. Why else would they be here on Christmas Eve? Friends, there are so many people in our families, in our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, who are really struggling right now. There are people struggling to hang on to their marriage right now. There are people struggling to hang on to their sobriety. There are people struggling to hang on to their emotional equilibrium. There are people struggling to hang on in the midst of an illness and, and they're just tired. Single people, divorced people, widowed people watch couples and family load up in their SUVs and shopping center parking lots and it just hurts a little bit. There are parents struggling to hang on right now while a son or daughter whose wayward is just breaking their heart. There are people struggling to hang on in the midst of financial pressures right now and they just want to hang on to their business one more month. They just want to hang on to their house one more month. They want to hang on to their car one more month. And I wonder. I wonder whose life might change, whose soul might be infused with hope, whose family might be healed, who might find the Savior, because like the shepherds, we spread the word and we invited someone to Christmas at Parkview this year. I noticed when I came onto the Parkview campus today, you have these light walls that say, A Year of First Steps. I love that. And many of you have taken first steps this year. Hundreds of you into small groups. Others of you have taken your first step to serve and gotten in the game. 800 plus of you have made the life-changing step of baptism in your life this year. Way to go. A number of you have given to Parkview for the first time. But do you know what I wonder? I wonder who might be a light this Christmas and give their first invitation to someone to Christmas at Parkview out in the lobby today at your campus are these light bulbs where you could write down the names. some of you have already done this or the names of several someones that you want to pray for this Christmas to say yes to your invitation and to find the light of Jesus and I know some of you are like well I wouldn't know who to invite I wouldn't know who to pray for who, whose name to write down let me help you think through that for a minute okay I like to use what I call the five-finger exercise when I'm thinking through this. The thumb represents those who are closest to you, family, friends, your mom, dad, your son, daughter, huh? How much do those people matter to you? That's an easy place to start. The index finger is for those who pointed the way in your life. Maybe it's a teacher, it's a coach, a mentor. A grandparent, and they need the hope of Jesus too in their life. The middle finger, that's kind of awkward, isn't it? So let's just go there. Who are those people you don't even like, but for some reason they're in your life? They really need Jesus too. The fourth finger represents those who are weak right now maybe they're sick or aging maybe they've lost a job they're going through a painful season in their life the pinky the short one is for those who've fallen short in their life who've made some bad mistakes maybe they even did some prison time maybe they have a history of gangs maybe they made a huge moral failure maybe they broke marriage vows and hurt The people they're closest to and brought so much pain in their lives. And they need the grace and light and hope of Jesus too. When you leave today at all the exit doors of every campus, there are these invitation cards. They'll just fit in your wallet or purse or something that you can use to write a note and to spread the word this Christmas. You know, you can just say, hey, take this, come sit with me at a Christmas service. So how about if we all pray specifically for somebody by name and then we invite boldly because Christmas is for everyone. Listen, I want you to know something about your neighbors, your colleagues at work, your family members, the students at your school who seem so disinterested in God. Deep down, they really are interested. God made them that way. Show of hands on something, every campus. How many of you have ever played the game hide and seek? Just just raise your hand. Sure, we've all played it, right? What's the object of hide and seek? It's to hide so well that you don't get found, right? Now question, did you ever really not want to get found? Is there anybody going, it's been 10 years, nobody's found me yet. (laughs) No, you wouldn't go... Ten minutes, probably not even five minutes, somebody's searching for you, and what would you do? They can't find you. Boop. Psst. You'd stick out a hand. You'd stick out a foot. And you'd say, oh, shucks, you found me. Listen, we've all got people in our relational world that leave the impression they don't want to be found, spiritually speaking. But if you look carefully, I'll guarantee you, there's a handout There's a foot out. There's a cry for help saying, I need a God who loves me. I need a God who cares about me. I need a new start and a new life. And you and I, we have the responsibility, we have the unbelievable privilege to announce to whoever will listen that Christmas is for everyone. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Well, God, I just imagine what you could do between now and Christmas Day. And the way that you could use conversations, the way that you could use invitations, the way that you could take our prayers specifically for people who need the love and hope of Jesus, those who are close to us, those who pointed the way, those people we don't even like, those who feel so weak right now, those who have fallen short in some horrible ways in their life and who all need the grace and hope of Jesus and to know that the greatest gift ever given is for all the people, that Christmas is for everyone. God, I pray right now that you will touch every single service for Christmas at Parkview. I pray that whoever sits in these seats will be moved by your Holy Spirit and that you would do something supernaturally in their life to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring them to Jesus. And God, if you could use us, we would be honored toward that end. We thank you that Christmas includes us, that you, this gift for everyone, means that it's also for us and you established our value on a cross by allowing your son to die on a plank and now he is risen and today we lift our prayers in his name and for his sake and everybody said amen love you parkview thanks for the privilege to be here today
1: won't you stand with us as we sing one more song together
0: Ahead and take a quick seat. We're going to continue our time together in communion. Hopefully, on your way, when you grab one of these packets, there's a thin layer for the way, for another layer to access the juice. And even as we talk about this idea of an invitation, giving an invitation to somebody else this Christmas season, it's ultimately because we believe an invitation has been given to us from Jesus. And I think that that's an invitation that sometimes uh, other Christians, other people, other churches can really overcomplicate and make it a lot more difficult to understand or even think that it's that easy of an invitation. I was reminded of that uh, over the last week or so. Uh, I got home from work the other day and I you know, got closer to the kitchen table and my wife was sitting on her laptop and she just looked like very sad. So I'm like, gotta be like a bad email, bad news, something horrible happened, right? Get a little closer and I see that she's on ticketmaster.com. Some of you might know where I'm going and uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, what's, what's going on? And she's like, well, we didn't get Taylor Swift tickets, which I was less sad than she was for the record. And then she talked me through this like eight hour process of sitting like in queues and getting like memberships and like secret access codes. I was like, that is just like, that's, it was insane. It was, it was, it was a test of character for her, I'm sure. But ultimately because my brain works in crazy ways, I had this moment and this thought where I thought, man, how many churches create that same complexity to coming to know Jesus. How many people can do that? Create these memberships, these, these access codes, these things you feel like you have to know or have to do with all these strings attached. And it feels really hard to say, man, does Jesus just really love me? Would he put his value, his life on me? And that's true for you today. Even if it's your first time at Parkview, this isn't a Parkview thing, this is a Jesus thing you're welcome to take communion with us. If following him, if accepting an invitation, if having a seat with Jesus is something you want to do, you're more than welcome to do that with us. So I want to give you a moment to sit in that truth, to hold those elements in your hand, a visible reminder of that invitation. And I'll come back in a moment and we'll take communion together. Greatest invitation of all time, and it might sound simple, but it really is that powerful. The body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. And the juice, a reminder of the blood that's been shed for you, take and drink. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance we have to come together today. God, thank you for the ways you've been working in our life. And God, for the fact that you've given us an invitation to be part of your story. God, would you put people in our lives over today and the days ahead? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we can give the love to them you've given us? We pray this all in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Just a quick reminder, on your way out, we've got those light bulbs. We'd love for you to just fill one of those. You can put it on the wall there. And we've got invitations to the Christmas services. I want you guys to stand. And as you do, may the Lord God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you
3: peace this day and forevermore. Have a great week, everyone.